0: Cam F. Awesome. I, I I can't I can't help but say, but he is he is awesome. He's six times U.S. national champion boxer, four times Golden glo- gloves, uh, Golden Gloves. Excuse me, uh, national champion, three times Olympic trial champion. He was captain of the 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 boxing team, the U.S.A. national boxing team. Uh, just truly inspirational man. He got into boxing at eighteen in New York and. Uh, he was overweight and just went to the gym and found it and excelled at it, did really, really well at it, obviously. He's turned it around since. Uh, he had some, uh, some tragedies fall, some, some obstacles to climb. Uh, he changed his name in, in 13 and 2013 and uh, he came out better. He, he publicly speaks now to kids, to corporations. To groups about uh, unconscious bias and about diversity and inclusion and um, a diversity. Uh, just an incredible, incredible story. An, an incredibly charming man who really knows his, his 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 desires and his wants. He's vegan. He explains how he he talks about he talks about how he went in how and why he went into that. Um, you're going to love this conversation. An inspiring man. Uh, go see him speak if you can, um, and find out why he's the Taylor Swift of boxing. Thanks for listening. Hi. I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges. In your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith? How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey pins discipline conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Talk to you. Thanks so much for doing this, Cam. I really appreciate it. So, do you have the same motivation now to do what you know your advocacy, your speaking, your consulting, the way you, you know you, you speak to the kids? Is it the same motivation you have now than you had when you were a world class boxer? Uh, funny, funny you'd ask that.
1: Uh, when I won my first national championship. I was 18 and you have to fill out this questionnaire actually you have to fill it out before your fight so you don't know if you won yet so you and your opponent both get to fill out this form and it's like list your 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 education like list your height your weight what are your what are your best attributes in the ring i listed i think charm as mine and and for goals inside of the ring i put i wanted to be a good role model and possibly have my own TV show. Wow! Uh, so I only use boxing as an avenue to be able to get me to where I want to go in life.
0: Interesting. So it, it, as a as a youth, if it wasn't boxing, it would have been just another avenue. You would have been great at. You believe? You believe?
1: Uh, n- n- no. I saw boxing when I when I first joined boxing. It was just to lose weight. Uh, and possibly get a date to prom. And I I was always looking for a role model. I didn't realize that. But I was always looking for a role model. And when I joined boxing, I realized that I would have to be my own. I would have to be the person that I wanted to look up to. Um, hmm. And I realized I would use boxing as a platform to allow me to be able to do that.
0: Is part of the attraction of of boxing is that it's not I, I guess it's a team sport and overall if you if you're part of the Olympic team but it's really yourself out there if you if you fail you fail by yourself but you do have a coach you do have a manager so what what's the, what attracts you there
1: uh so I I'm a little different in the fact that I don't really have a coach mm. uh throughout my career I've always coached myself there's a a, a guy uh, I call him my coach John Brown but he does more of the managing uh, I do the coaching so Like if we have a tournament coming up, I reach out to the like I book my hotel, I register myself for the tournament, I weigh myself in, I wrap my own hands, I warm myself up, and I get a random person who's at the boxing event, and I usually know people there to just to work my corner, and I win it's a, you know, it's a one day elimination tournament. So you fight every day until you lose or you win the tournament. So I show up on Sunday. I register myself. I fight Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And my coach, John Brown flies in Saturday. He works my corner for the finals. We take a picture. We high five. He asks me if I need anything. I say no. And I continue to train myself.
0: Because in the Netflix, in the documentary, which was fantastic, uh, it seemed that you had the same person in your corner the whole time.
1: Oh, yeah. He just he works my corner, but when I go to spar, so I, my base is in Kansas City, but when I go to spar in, let's say, Dallas, I go to spar for six weeks before a fight, I'm there by myself, just sparring somebody with a coach. And their coach is always there to like give me advice or give me water in between rounds and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm i kind of ran my own career, uh, the way I did and I needed to be disciplined to do that.
0: Yeah. We, we talk a lot about discipline. So I play golf now. And so I guess you're talking, the difference between a, a, a manager and a coach would be the difference between a swing coach and a caddy, right? Oh yes.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm. Let me think that one over because I'm I'm not too familiar with golf, but.
0: (laughs) In golf, yeah, they have a caddy as they play. They're not the coach at all. They're not giving swing instruction. They're just, which club do you want to use? They're giving distance. They're giving wind. They're giving these kinds of things. And so that's very interesting. I never made that analogy. Yeah. I like that one. Hmm. I like that. If you could change one rule about boxing, what would it be? Uh,
1: I would, for, if, for, um, uh, for Olympic level boxing, I would allow, I will, I would allow entertainment. Explain. Uh, I think boxing is a sport and it's supposed to be entertaining. Uh, I like, so I used to wear like pink. I used to find like a pink skirt and then they changed the rules to where you only could wear red or blue. Uh. And. Why? why why can't i just have fun and wear whatever i want uh then they said then i also own more capes than i want to admit and i would enter the ring like i'm a superhero and then i would flip do a front flip into the ring with That's my cape right. i've seen that yeah when they, when i would do that a lot of times the ref would grab me by the hand walk me back out the ropes and i would have to leave and come back in the ring wow and then they also changed the rule to no extra apparel in the ring. They were just trying to get me to stop my kick. They were trying to stop me from having fun. Hmm.
0: Hmm. But, Very interesting. And then the documentary really sheds light on just kind of the youth movement, how kids are coming up and they're, they're, the gyms run out of money and there was many gyms. And I hope that's all getting better. I don't know much about youth boxing. Uh, I'm,
1: there's well bless all of these uh all of these coaches because Mm. a lot of these coaches are were kids who grew up in the inner city got to go to a free inner city boxing gym they became boxers themselves and then they kept then they stayed in the gym and they're now coaches i see so all of those a lot of those coaches went through the same system and they don't they didn't pay for a coach when they were a kid. And a lot of these coaches coach for free. They volunteer their time. Mm. And then on top of that, you have travel. So it's a lot of expenses on the coaches. And a lot of these gyms don't have the greatest funding. So if we had funding, we would be unstoppable. Really? Because other countries, they have funding. So like our boxers, when they turn 18, it's like, Do you want to fight for Team USA and only make $1,000 a month, like next to nothing? Or do you want to sign a professional contract and maybe make millions of dollars? When you have an 18-year-old with a kid on the way or they're living in their parents' house, they're going to sign that contract. And so you have our 18-year-old Olympians fighting other countries. Let's say England. They have great funding. So some of their boxers stick around for two or three Olympics. So you have our 18-year-olds fighting experienced 32-year-olds, and we're still competing with them. So imagine if we had great funding and we had like Shakur Stevenson, who won a silver medal in the last Olympics, in 2016 Olympics. If he had great funding and there was no reason for him to turn pro, he would have fought in the 2020 Olympics and he was guaranteed a gold medal. But we just, we don't lack talent, we lack experience, but USA's... They did so great at this last Olympics.
0: Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, is there NCAA basketball? Excuse me. Is there NCAA boxing? Is there college level boxing?
1: Yeah, there is. There's there's a collegiate boxing league. I believe you have to have under ten fights. Uh, just they do it that way, just so it remains competitive. I know uh, Notre Dame is one of the. My buddy he fought for the Notre Dame team.
0: Wow. Well, that's a good sign because colleges have money and their sports. They, uh, has that always been that way?
1: Yeah, but, uh, they're kind of like in a bubble. So, uh, they, they only fight guys who are also in collegiate boxing. So it's just like a little league. Uh, so they don't ever, there's one, one guy who was, who was real good. He actually fought him, uh, and his name escapes me. He's from Vegas, but I think he also fought for Notre Dame and, uh, yeah, he, he fought in the Olympic trials. He qualified all the way to the Olympic trials. He lost in the trials. Uh, I think that's where I fought him. But uh, he was a great boxer.
0: So it sounds more like at a club level, not really at the NCAA level.
1: Yeah, the, the NCAA level is the club level.
0: I see. And why, so what's the problem with boxing? Why, isn't, why, aren't, why don't people want to put money into it? I, what's, it's a noble sport. It's the uh, sweet science.
1: Do you want to put your kid in a boxing ring? Right. Right. But here's the thing. You would put your kid on a football field. Yeah. Because you have that tradition with football. Also, you have parents who've gone to colleges who want their kids to go to that college as well. So it's like a tradition thing. And you get scholarships through football. Right. But you don't get those things through boxing as much. It's not in the school system. It's not a part of our culture.
0: And how can we make boxing more safe?
1: Oh, it's not about it being safe. It's safer than football.
0: I believe.
1: Uh, but I'm not a doctor. So. Have you been concussed? Uh, oh, I, I know for one time I was for sure concussed. Concussed uh, was my last roller hockey game. Really? I played in like a weekly, like a Tuesday roller hockey league at like 6 p.m. Uh, and I, I I can't even say that someone checked me or something. I slammed into the wall trying to do a trick. Wow. Uh, I, yeah. I tried to do like one of those hard stops. Sure. And cut? I just, yeah, I just baseball slid into the wall. Yeah. and uh, And I woke up like a day and a half later. Like, I, I apparently drove myself home. I like, wow. I, I was heading to the gym, and I was just like, I don't remember getting ready for the gym. Hmm. I don't remember eating today. I don't remember waking up this morning. Then I put it together uh, when I found out my, my skates. Uh, all but one wheel was still connected. They're, like, shattered. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I but co- so, yeah, I'm sure I was concussed. How about during boxing?
1: Uh, I was never never went under any concussion protocols or anything in my entire yeah. career. But then I hear, yeah, then, then I hear the small, it, it's not the big concussions. It's the small right. impact. Uh, and I'm like, there's a lot of that in boxing, but I wouldn't, if I, if you were to live so safely, you wouldn't drive a car either. Mm. And so I think some things are worth the risk. And if it's not worth it to you, don't do it.
0: Calculate it. Yeah. So, uh, I I just, I, I need to understand the transition. So you're, you're in high school, you're an 18 and you're, you see, you're overweight. So you want to, you want to do boxing, but boxing requires so much discipline and so much focus. So where was that manifested before then? You must've had it.
1: No, I never made a sport before. What I did realize is I, I had the, I had the fear of physical consequence. Uh. So I knew, and, and I realized it was a cheat code. So I fought at uh, at super heavyweight, but I'm like, I'm 6'2". I was a smaller guy. I'm fighting guys who are 6'8". Sometimes wow. I could have just lost a pound and fought at a different weight class. Right. But I fought bigger guys because I realized that bigger guys weren't disciplined. Hmm. They thought they could knock everyone out. So they're never in shape. So I realized if I was being smaller if i was disciplined enough to be in better shape than all of my opponents i don't even need to be a good fighter i don't knock anyone out i'm an awkward fighter if you've seen any videos my goal is just to get the other guy tired and outpoint him and through that i i found different ways of winning but the idea is if i'm in better shape than you as soon as the bell rings i think okay Let's, let's check our gas tanks hmm. because for me to be able to push this guy to the point where he's tired, I have to be able to expend myself. So I have to be in shape myself. And that is literally my only game plan in a fight wow. is to be in better shape. So discipline. And I, and I realized if I just, cause guys say like, oh yeah, I won't run it this morning. And I know they didn't go run like guys skip days. Hmm. I, since I was in high school, I would wake up at about four in the morning and do a 3.3 mile run around my neighborhood. And I would have to wake up so early because my bus came at about 6.15 and I would need to give myself time to stop sweating because it's still hot in the morning. Uh, And I would go to school and after school, I didn't have a car or I can get a ride. So I would walk 6.3 miles every day to the boxing gym wow. before I would work out. Wow. And now I think it's crazy, but at the time, like because it would take me literally three hours every day after after school because my senior year in high school, my parents moved to Florida, so and I, I didn't want to stop boxing. And mm-hmm. the only way I could box is if I walked six miles to the gym every day. But I made myself a promise when I started boxing – that I was going to be number one and sometimes things come up. That's like a real big inconvenience to your plan. And you, you can't really stop, make that the reason why you stop your overall plan. You have to just deal with that inconvenience. And the inconvenience I had to deal with was walking six miles before I get to the boxing gym.
0: Wow. What? Wow. It's amazing that you put those obstacles in front of you purposely to make you stronger. It's amazing. I mean, you could have, were, were, are there buses where you, you just didn't want to, you mm-hmm. wanted to walk it was all part of the routine
1: there. Were, it was. So if I took the bus back to my house, it would be a 13 mile walk. Oh, wow. Right. Cause so it was, yeah. Wow. Uh, and luckily, uh, there's a guy, Jose Marquez, who knew that I walked. And he said, if you ever walk to the gym, I will drop you home. Hmm. And he would go out of his way. It was like a, probably a, a 40 minute drive to drop me home. Wow. Uh, and he did that every day for a year. Never complained. Also, I didn't have any money because I was in high school, and never asked of anything for me.
0: Absolutely amazing. Just I'm a, the product of a lot of help from a lot of people. Yeah, I think we all are. Yeah, and when you look back and you you right. have to be thankful for that. it's that, amazing. So, if uh, just one more or two more on boxing, and I want to get more to you. If you were if you were completely in charge of boxing right now, what would you do with it?
1: uh i would i would try to make a i would try to make a league where you have to qualify to get into like maybe like a junior pro ranks where guys with less experience can make some money and like journeymen can make some money i just feel like there's 99% of the money in boxing goes to like 1% of the boxers right and there're just so many guys at the bottom who like who dedicate their life to this sport mm. uh, and they'll never be known or get any recognition. And I think if they don't get that, at least they can make a little bit of money. Uh, Cause a lot of them, they, they do this to feed their family. So I would try to find a way to make, uh, make money more accessible to the, to the lower clear, lower class fighters.
0: Spread it out. And the, I believe the problem is that there's so many different kind of leagues or, or right. And there's different bodies that are in charge of them, and they're all, of course, money-driven, and um, it, it gets confusing as an outside viewer.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's, un- unlike the MMA, there's, like, no real governing body. Right. Everyone, there's so many different organizations. Each organization has a belt. There's just so many belts. There's, like, there's the IBJ hmm. under-25 Midwest championship belt, and I, oh, that just... But maybe that's the way, if those belts meant something, maybe people who won those belts can make some more money. But I don't know. And you know I learned? Every time I start to think about a problem, I realize how complicated it is and how little I know about anything.
0: It's daunting. It is daunting. Yeah. You think there's such a simple solution, but generally speaking, money ruins a lot of that stuff, right? It's uh, everybody's driven by that. So, so Cam, why are you the Taylor Swift of boxing? (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: so this is this is something about being disciplined. Uh I used to be considered Kamee West. Like I used to throw fits. If I lost, I would lose my mind. And I realized if I want to be the role model that I wanted, I have to change things about myself. Hmm. And my very goal in the beginning was to be a good role model and get my own TV show. Uh, I think I could have a, po- I had a podcast, so I think I I've, I've, I've filled the mission, but uh, my goal is to be a good role model and acting out because I was very passionate. I, I would kick garbage cans. I used to be, get upset when I lost and I decided to change that about myself when I changed my name and I was going to be a positive person and I was going to find a way to be positive no matter what I did in life. And I was in the Pan Am games and I fought. And I fought my heart out and I beat like the top guy and I didn't get the decision. And I was so heartbroken and upset. And like, and I realized at the moment I was like, okay, uh, show my best self. Mm. Uh, I, I like to think as uh, channel, my inner Beyonce, I'd handle it how she'll handle it. Cause anytime I'm faced with a situation, I'm like how should I handle this? I think how would Beyonce handle this? And I just like waved to the crowd and, uh, like thanked everyone, and I like took a beeline through the like the fan tunnel, and to the because you go to the fan tunnel, and then after the fan tunnel is the media station, and then there's a locker room. But uh, people don't realize this when you're going through the fan tunnel. It's really awkward when you lose because no one wants to high five you. Mm. So just like people looking at you like you're a loser, and that could be partly my insecurities. And as I'm walking through, like I fought a guy from Cuba. And we're in Toronto, Canada, and there are just so many Cuban people. that are like waving their flags. I'm walking through the fan tunnel and they're just like, might be a hundred Cubans are waving their flags. And one of the flags slapped me in the face. And I'm like, you know what? If another flag hits me, I'm going to fight my second Cuban person today. (laughs) And then another flag hits me and then. At that point, it was the closest I ever went back to turning back into Camille wow. because I got so upset, and I was like, "Nope, nope, let's just turn around." And when I turned around, uh, Tony Collins from ESPN put a microphone on my face. I know who ESPN is, I know who, I know who Tony Collins is, and they don't usually speak to me. So, like, I thought it was like a big deal, mm. and I was conflicted because I was like great opportunity, but I'm still so upset. Mm. And, uh, you always have had three choices. Choice one, I could just take the microphone and share how I really felt about the judges and the whole boxing system and how the corruption, Mm. uh, I could decline the interview. Unfortunately, I'm not declining the interview from ESPN famous. I want to be on ESPN. Uh, so the opportunity to just try to showcase my humor in the best way possible. Uh, and what I do when, when I'm upset now is I just try to, I, I try to answer interview questions, uh, but I, I make it a me thing. I have jokes in my head. I have inner these inner conversations, and sometimes some of it comes out. And uh, Taylor Swift of Boxing, I still to this day don't really know what it means, <laughs> but I was just trying to, trying to keep myself happy in that moment of sadness. Good for you.
0: Yeah, turn the other cheek. I I mentioned I I play golf, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, playing with a young man, and he wasn't playing well, and he ends up throwing clubs, and he's you know he's swearing up a storm, and he's you know just just overall tantrum. So I, I said. Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. I know you don't you don't know who these are because you're a young man, but Mickey Mantle No no I know. I've been compared to both. I I was talking to this young man who was throwing the clubs and he didn't know who they were, but Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mantle was on his way out and Roger Maris you know, struck out and he comes into the dugout. He's kicking everything. He's swearing. And he says, Mickey, I don't know how to hit a home run. I don't know how to hit the ball. Help me. And he's shouting. And, and of course, Mickey Mantle says, you know, Roger, before you learn how to hit a home run, you have to learn how to strike out. So, he kind of paused for a moment and stopped throwing clubs afterwards, you know? So I think it's, you know, you just have to, it just comes up kind of with maturity. And I think you just kind of taught yourself there. Now, what did Joe, how did Joe Rogan inspire you?
1: Oh, uh, I feel like, so the whole discipline thing, I think, yeah. uh, I don't even call it discipline. I mean, I, I would call it keeping it real. Mm. And, when someone calls me out, like, so when, when someone calls any of us out, we have a few options. One, we can ask our, we can, we can blame the other person. We can ignore it. Or we can ask ourselves why that stings so bad. Uh, and I was like living in my van, speaking at schools, talking about like resilience and, and my my boxing career Hmm. and i'm listening to joe rogan podcast with like roy woods jr and joe rogan was like uh most motivational speakers just talk about things they used to do and they aren't capable of doing or something like that and that and i didn't listen and it bothered me and i decided not to ignore it and i decided not to blame him but i decided to question myself like am I not pushing myself am i being lazy am I not being as disciplined as I should be because I was living in a van I wasn't working out as much as I should have when you live in a van you you tend to gain weight uh and yeah after a couple of years of living in a van you tend to gain weight and I was like i I realized I'm an overweight like youth speaker at the time and I was like i'm I'm not happy with this so I uh decided to uh revamp my life and make a run for the 2020 olympics so uh i couldn't do it for team usa if i did they would make me uh move out of my van and live in colorado springs at the olympic training center right. and i'm building a business i can't i couldn't afford to do that so i decided to uh and i decided to go to trinidad and tobago my dad's home country and become a dual citizen And fighting their Olympic trials. So I began living in the van. uh, Speaking at schools during the week. Doing stand-up at night. Emceeing festivals on the weekend. And while training for the Olympics. And I I flew to Trinidad. I won their Olympic trials by KO. Came back to the States to continue training. And I was in Dallas. uh, Living in my van. Training. When I uh, got the news that the NBA was cancelled. And I was like, okay. I guess... COVID's real and turned out it was (laughs) because they canceled the Olympics. Ah. Uh, They didn't cancel it. They decided, they said, and the uh, qualifying tournament, they canceled that. So they said, you know what, instead of going by the the qualifying tournament where I would qualify at, they said, let's go by ranking points. And, Since I was new to Trinidad, I had no ranking points with them, so I didn't get to go to the Olympics.
0: Do you consider yourself disciplined?
1: I consider myself more disciplined than most, but not disciplined enough.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that assessment too. There's so many things I am disciplined, but there's so much more room for improvement, I feel.
1: Yeah, I I just, I think about like, oh, I'm so disciplined when it comes to work and Mm. follow up with emails and Mm -hmm. and my health, eating. And then I speak to a friend and they're like, oh, I meditate for an hour a day. And I'm like, I have an hour a day to meditate. I can find an hour a day to meditate. But am I disciplined enough to sit there and do that? I, I, I would need to be, I need to work on that because I need to be disciplined enough to be able to get my mind off of like. I wonder if someone sent me an email. I should email people back. Like I'm um, I'm yeah. I took all of the the passion I had in boxing and I put it into my speaking career. And yeah, and, and I realized that it's some would call it discipline, some would call it obsessive.
0: Uh, but I enjoy it. Yeah, that shows, Cam. That shows. I get a lot of pushback from, uh, you know, as you know, I, I, I was very heavy. I got heavy, yeah. kind of like yourself, and I lost it and some other tragedies. And so, you know, people ask how you deal with it. I just said discipline, which is another word for focus and determination. But, you know, I often talk to people and they say, well, you need compassion, not discipline. And I say, well, I, I agree. I don't think everybody should have discipline. There's just there should be some maybe some self discipline but perhaps not the the most governing in your in your world but i do get a decent amount of pushback and i and i don't and i like it because i just like bringing out the conversation
1: yeah oh uh you, you think people need compassion and not discipline
0: that's what i hear a lot
1: do oh, i think uh, yeah i think discipline
0: is compassion that's what i say it's exactly what yeah. i say
1: yeah Because let's say we we talk about eating healthy, and and I say I'm very disciplined with my lifestyle. I don't even call it diet. You're uh, vegan? Vegan. I'm plant-based. I try to stay away from processed foods. I I don't drink anything, but I just started juicing, but I usually don't drink anything but water. uh, And I'm leaning on the raw side. But someone's like, well, be compassionate about yourself. Why don't you eat some junk food? And I don't think that's compassionate. I don't think eating junk is is actually treating yourself well. I'm disciplined to a point where at 7.45, me and my girl, we brush our teeth and then we head to bed mm. because I need to wake up at 4.45 because I realize I can be so productive between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. I get an entire work day done before most most people turn on the laptop. Now, I think being compassionate to myself, being disciplined and getting a full eight, nine. I try to get nine hours of sleep. Like, I think that's being compassionate to myself. But other people would think being compassionate to themselves might be being allowing themselves to stay up and have a drink Mm. and watch a movie all night and wake up tired and groggy. It's how are we different people value different things. Uh, And I believe to stay true to a lot of my values, it takes discipline.
0: Well said. Well said, Cam. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. And and I love what you're doing now and you're speaking. I watch, you've got great content there. Uh, I want to talk about implicit and, and unconscious bias. It's, uh, you devote a lot of time to it because it's so important. I, 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 I know that I fall victim to this sometimes, you know, I'll be in a parking lot, for example, and I'll see a, a, a woman or maybe a pregnant woman, you know, have a lot of groceries and, st- and putting it into a vehicle and I'll say, hey, do you need help? And then I and then you know she accepts or doesn't. But then I walk away thinking, I would have never done that for a man.
1: You know, yeah. I would have never
0: have done that. I would, I would just, you know, I have a mother, I have daughters. So that is implicit bias. Would you uh, agree? Yeah, and
1: it could be implicit bias. It can be somewhat culture, uh culturally, because like my, my mom instilled in me, like, if I just met you at like, if we're, I'm the guy who walks people to their car. Mm. And my mom always taught me like, walk ladies to their car. So that could be more of a cultural thing than just an implicit, implicit bias thing. Uh, I, I do speak a lot on uh, intent versus impact mm. and what your actions are and how other people interpret them. Now, the person mm-hmm. who... The, the lady who you asked, she might be grateful. She's probably exa- – she she could be exhausted. Her feet might hurt, and now she's grateful. You just – again, I, I always say assume positive intent and suspend judgment, hmm. but I I think we're super sensitive now, not sensitive – towards other people but sensitive towards our own feelings Mm. when it comes to offending others. Like in my travels, I've been to 30 countries and one thing I've learned is that everyone interacts with other people differently. And even in our own country, so if you do business with someone in New York, right? New York's more of a fast-paced pace, fast-paced place. So you wanna be in and out of their office as fast as possible. That's how you do business respectfully. But if you go to Oklahoma City,
0: mm. right?
1: They're they're more people of hospitality. They invite you in. Before you know it, you're having sweet tea. Mm. You're showing pictures of your cats. Like that's how you do business there. But if that person in Oklahoma tried to do business with that person in New York, they would be considered rude, right. trying to show pictures of their cat. And so it's it's more of a cultural interaction. And and the question I like to ask is who's right and who's wrong. Mm. Because culture just means a way of life who can be right how can anyone be wrong? but I will also say there could be someone who did business in New York for 40 years and now they live in Oklahoma City. So guess what you're gonna have to you're gonna have to treat different people in different ways and if we offend someone sometimes apologize and move on. It is not the end of the world So I use the term melting pot like I said America is a melting pot and then someone said, actually, Cam, uh, I love to that. say America's a melting pot is to say that for a culture to be a part of American culture, they would have to melt down, assimilate, and no longer be whole. Mm. And it struck me. I was like, oh, okay. So now I say America's a salad
0: bowl. Oh, I thought you said bento box. Oh, yeah. So I,
1: oh, I say it, it's, a, it's a salad bowl. And the thing is, I I didn't. If I were to just get caught up in the language of, well, I say melting pot. My parents said melting pot. We always mm. say melting pot. Mm. W- why can't why can't I just? I don't need to be committed to the language of using melting pot if if it if the intent doesn't match the impact. Right. And the way that melting pot analogy works for me is like I have I have locks, right. When I started to speak at corporations, of course, I'm very passionate about my business. I want to get as many speaking gigs as possible. I want to get work. I lived in my van to do this. And a lot of people said, "Kim, if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to actually start being taken seriously in the speaking world, you need to cut your hair to be more appealing to a corporate audience." Wow. Now, that to me is a melting pot because I would have to assimilate to be able to fit in, to be a part of this American culture. Because as I said, my dad's from Trinidad. My locks are part of my heritage. It's part of my culture. I don't want to have to cut my hair to be able to survive and pay my bills in America. So I do believe we should be a salad bowl. Very interesting. But even though we're a salad bowl, I believe we're a bento box. Hmm. Because when we live in the same cities, we occupy different areas. And that's due to racist policies from the past, such as redlining. So, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, like, there's a line in there, I have a dream that little white boys and little black boys and little black girls could hold hands with little white boys and little white girls as brothers and sisters. He was alluding to the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which was passed the year after he was assassinated. His idea was for people to live amongst each other. And I believe we need to continue that legacy and we need to live amongst each other. We need to be exposed to different cultures. And when we're exposed to different cultures, guess what's going to happen, man? Sometimes we're going to say the wrong thing and put our foot in our mouth. Why do we need to be so committed to being right all the time? If I call you by the wrong pronoun or if I say the wrong thing, I first thing I do is I apologize for the impact of my actions before I even try to explain the intent because no one
0: cares about your intent. Right. It's not evident uh, and if they don't know you yeah my father is from Italy and you know in the Italian culture when you meet family or you know you kiss you always kiss twice you know you each side and I I found out recently kissing once is actually uh, it's insulting and the reason is is because Jesus was betrayed by a one kiss. So, uh, so that's where they draw that connection. So once you learn that you understand and you move on. Yeah. And it makes very logical sense. Yeah. It makes very logical sense to them, but yeah, don't kiss an Italian or generally any Southern European once it's an insult twice or three times is more accessible. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love that. Here's, here's another one. I was in Azerbaijan and a guy gave me a, uh, he, he hooked me up with a ride. So. He, uh, he got his friend to give me a ride so I didn't have to take a cab so I'd be safer. And as a thank you, I like shook his hand and I slipped him a few of nice. a few of their money, uh, of their dollars or currency. And he waited around for me in the hotel the whole day Oh no. to give me the money back and tell me how rude
0: I am. <gasps> yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah. What's that, what's I, there. Yeah.
1: And cause in their, in their culture, they don't take handouts. There's no welfare. Like right. a man works. He he doesn't take any handouts. And what I did was not only did I like try to emasculate him. I basically said like, "You're a peasant. Take some of the scraps to your peasant family." Like, and wow. and I wouldn't. And of course, that's not the way I interpreted it. Like, that wasn't my intent. I didn't mean to disrespect him, but of, of course I did, and I apologized for my actions. He's like, ah, "So it's okay." Like, we ended up having a talk about it uh and he told me like to go back and tell your teammates uh and and i think that part is so cool being exposed to different cultures and like messing up and learning something um mm. uh, um yeah
0: very very different ways
1: people different ways people interpret things and in uh in japanese culture slurping a noodle slurping your your noodles so the chef can hear lets the chef know that you're appreciating the very meal.
0: common. Yes. Yeah. And here it would be, you're, yeah, you're unruly. You're un. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then we talk, you know, you speak often, uh, about diversity and inclusion that, you know, we need to bring all this together. There's still diversity, but we still need to include everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think even the fact that representation matters, I remember, I don't know if you ever watched like, uh, uh, real world or road rules back in the day. Like I remember. Yeah. Every one of those shows, like I remember they would always have like one black, one black person. Yeah. One other person of color ish, uh, and a gay person. Right. And a lot of times the gay person was a black person. Mm. And I remember always seeing that pattern in every show, every reality show. And now I'm starting to see television shows with leading black, black roles or commercials with people who look like me. Mm. And I think that is so cool that everyone's being included now. And not just in like a, a, we're checking a box way because you can see it.
0: It's definitely getting better, but the, like we said earlier, there's still much room for improvement. Oh
1: yes. yes.
0: And how do we stop the cycle? How do we get better?
1: Uh, I believe we get better through exposure. Mm. That's, that's the only way we get better is through actually learning about one another and actually inter- uh, integrating with one another because one the, the, the bento box analogy that I give, uh, like there's chocolate, there's chocolates on one side, there's pretzels on the other side. And if you're the pretzel people and you hang out with pretzel people, you go to work with pretzel people, you have lunch with pretzel people, like chocolate people, they're all the way over there. They're on that side of the bento box. Like you don't have anything against them, but you don't know them. So you make your assumptions. Mm. And then the chocolate people, they they go to work, they hang out, they do everything with chocolate people. They don't know anything about the pretzel people, so they make assumptions. Mm. And when we make assumptions about one another, they're not based off of anything. But I think the cure to that is when there's enough chocolate-covered pretzels running around and we realize we're not all that different. And I think seeing just, seeing different people be with, seeing people be with with different people and seeing people being so accepting of one another, uh, I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I will add the fact that media television everything wants you to see all the negative mm. there's a lot of people who are who who are a lot of allies there are a lot of people who uh who've been united in these last last couple of years that we don't really get to see those stories uh, so there's a lot of good going on in the world but of course there is always room for improvement
0: yes absolutely and i think Conversations like we're having, you know, and, and having people hear about it and how we can use discipline to help and open up and understand how different cultures are, where tipping isn't acceptable and kissing once isn't. And, you know, uh, just how how we can really look at things and change things is so important. Um, how has veganism changed your life and do you recommend it? Uh,
1: again, I'm not a doctor. Mm. Uh, but I do recommend it for, for me, the thing I would recommend above anything is doing the, I did the, it's called the engine to 28 day challenge. Uh, I lost a bet back in 2012 and I had to do this for 28 days. And it was like, for the first 10 days, it was terrible because before this, I was eating my, my go-to order at McDonald's was three McChickens, no mustard, no pickles, extra onions, extra ketchup, and three McChickens with cheese. That was like what I would just eat on my way home from the gym. And then I went from that to having to be like this plant-based vegan. So like it was an extreme change immediately. I was gassy for like the first 10 days. It was terrible. But after it takes 22 days for your taste buds to adjust. So three weeks into it, the food actually started to taste good. And. This was, uh, this was a bad year in my life and I was going through, I was was real depressed at the time. I I gained a lot of weight, uh, and the diet also entails sobriety. So not only was I eating healthy, I was sober, I was losing weight and I started to feel positive again. Uh, and I believe being that process of becoming vegan is what saved my life.
0: Hmm. Wow. And You've been that's twenty, so it's been nine years, or just, uh, almost. Yeah, and you're yeah. still there, and you love it.
1: Uh yeah. And what it did for me is it limited, it limited fast food for me. Mm. So I'm the type of person if I could swing by a McDonald's, I won't do it all the time. I'll just go just this one time today, just one time today, just not all the just today, and I would do that six times a week. Mm. Uh, but now, if I do, if I'm in a pinch and I need a snack, I go to Chipotle. That's not that bad. But now, if I go out, and I make sure I bring food with me. And it saves me so much money. And it saves, and it's, it's so much healthier.
0: I just. Uh... I just can't help but wonder, given the last pandemic, how we would have, as a nation, as a world, uh, as a country, handled it differently if we had this kind of discipline. I mean, you know, uh, just eating better. It was a perfect time for the government to say, let's get healthy. Let's start walking. Let's start looking at nutritional outlets instead of obesity. Is it like 75%, Cam? Something crazy?
1: Hey, Jeff, uh, question. Uh, question for you. Yes how do you make that a a statement without shaming and blaming right all of the obese people right who who are going through their own personal turmoils and they lean on food as their drug uh, and i i say that not to shame people that was the person Me i too. was i still have a bad Me relationship too. with food too. so how do you do you tell all those people do, do you give them compassion or discipline? That's a good. That's a good. Uh, mm.
0: We come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, because I still feel there's the 340 pound person inside me trying to get out. Every once in a while, I feel that camp, you know, and I, I see that extra slice of pizza or I see, you know, like you say, fast food, you know, high caloric, high fat food is just so available and so inexpensive uh, that it's it's hard to avoid. You've got to be disciplined. But you're right. No politician's going to touch it because their constituency is 75 percent obese. So how do you you know, how do you approach that? It's very, very touchy.
1: I think the only way you could approach it is with a culture change. Mm. Uh, you would have to mandate schools to, to teach actual food health education and not what the FDA approves because okay. the FDA approves some shady stuff uh, on even the, just the food side of it. Wow. I know there's a lot of stuff on on the other side, but even speaking about the food, they allow you to print anything you want on a label as long as the, the back little square That label is correct. Hmm. Like they, they, there's a lot of miseducation. Like the average American doesn't know how to read a serving size. Like read the nutritional facts. Huge. A lot of a lot of people in America live in food deserts. They don't even have access to good food. Like they don't know what kale is. Hmm. So I think exposure to to quality food, uh, and education of what is actually good food. Because the whole idea of that, we're still pimping the whole milk bill, strong, strong bones, Mm. nonsense, and, and people genuinely are concerned for my protein intake when they find out I'm vegan. I had a lady, an obese lady smoking a cigarette at a bar (laughs) telling me about amino acids. Here's the thing, Joe. I don't know about amino acids and I'm sure she doesn't either. Right. <laughs> but if we had the proper education, we'd be able to mitigate this problem. Uh, we, mo- we probably won't be able to do anything for the older generations, but the younger generations coming up, if the only thing you know is healthy, then unhealthy seems kind of off-putting to you. Right. Because like, even right now, like, Back in the day, what, what was your go to, Joe? What was your unhealthy go to? Was yeah, your dirty pleasure?
0: I, yeah, you know, I, I guess just pizza and fast food. I mean, I, like I said, my father was Italian, but we eat pasta, but the portions would not be big. You know, that's a big misconception. Now you see these. Big, big oh. bowls of pot. Just the handful is all you need with some good sauce. Yeah.
1: Oh, and when I went to Italy, that was the weirdest thing for me. Because yes. first of all, they would bring you a little bit of food, like yeah. a little bit of food. Right. And then, then you just have to sit there for like 30 minutes <laughs> and look at people. And then they bring you a little bit, a little bit more food, just a little bigger. Then <laughs> you wait for another 45 minutes. And then they bring you... A decoration of what should be on an American cupcake. <laughs> and that is your dessert. It's like a fistful of food yeah, yeah. over the span of two hours. Yeah. But then I realized Italians, they value their family.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Dinner's not a time to stuff your mouth. It's no. a time to eat a little bit and speak with the oh, ones you God. love. That's right. And talk. And and I love that about the Italian culture. yeah. yeah. And the thing is, if I, I'm not Italian, I didn't know that. But I got exposed to Italian culture, and now when I have a family, now my girl and I we eat we eat at a dinner table
0: right. every night, right?
1: Seven nights a week, unless like the Chiefs play at night, then we'll uh, eat during the game. But sure. we eat at the dinner table because I saw that in the Italian culture, mm. and I that's me appreciating Italian culture, mm. not appropriating it. Right, because there's a difference. If, big, if I'm wearing a big fake Italian mustache and right. and I'm doing a Mario accent, that that's that's different. Right. But those are the subtle differences of appreciation and appropriation. But if I wasn't exposed to Italian culture, Joe, I wouldn't have known how amazing it is to eat dinner for a long time. Yeah, as simple I- as that is.
0: Yeah, they eat late and they eat, but yeah, nobody's overweight. Or I shouldn't say nobody, but very few. It's not like here at all. And they walk everywhere, which which we don't do. Unless you're in New York City, but yeah, generally people just drive everywhere. But yeah, so you were asking me the bad food would, been, yeah, would be the fast food and you know, and that's so available. So we're hoping we're hoping that this younger generation doesn't do that as much and and, and those good habits move forward. Yeah.
1: And, and you're, you're, you crave what you're addicted to. Mm. So if it takes three weeks for your taste buds to adjust, suffer, suffer for those three weeks and then they get addicted to something new and then stay disciplined to that addiction. Like right now I can have snacks and, and well, because I live like this, I don't have snacks in my cupboard, like unhealthy snacks. But if I had unhealthy snacks in there, I wouldn't really be tempted because I don't crave it. Mm. It's actually more off-putting than anything. Right. Like there's this vegan pizza place because I've been eating super clean probably for the last eight months. Uh, there's this this it's a Toppers. It's not even a vegan place. but They make a vegan special pizza and it's like this this uh, this Tuscan white cheese pizza and it's it's fluffy and there's cheese in the crust and I ate it like a year ago. And I felt fat for like three weeks.
0: Wow! I, just, it,
1: I felt like car- it. I, I eating it. By the way, oh, such a great experience. i us say. Oh, it was. That is a. <laughs> so, for being like a fourteen ninety nine pizza, amazing. But the way it made me feel, mm. the way it made me feel, bro, it, it it's not worth it. I drove by the other day because it's right next to Chipotle. And it was, I had to stop off and I was like, mm, I'll go to Chipotle because mm. I don't want to feel like this for the next. And I'm exaggerating. I felt bad for two or three days. Right. I understand. But I'm addicted to feeling healthy. Right.
0: Not worth it to me. Yeah, not worth it. I do uh, intermittent fasting now. Do you eat three times a day, four times? Uh,
1: I, I actually, I started uh, December 4th of last year, December 2nd, I was on a phone call with uh, this vegan professor from uh, Minnesota and this vegan dietitian, and we we're just talking about just doing Veg Fest because we usually do health festivals, and we we're just catching up. And the guy mentioned, he's like, "Yeah, I lost all this weight by doing intermittent fasting," and I heard about intermittent fasting. And the thing I I don't like is I hate. When when people are like oh you're vegan tell me all about it what should I eat and I'm like I tell them everything and I give them recipes and lists and then they don't even try any of it out uh. and I'm like I'm just wasting my time so I don't like to ask people my, many questions so I was like so I was like so you you like this intermittent fasting thing he's like yeah it, it completely changed my life and I was like all right and I got off the phone with him and I said tomorrow morning I'm starting intermittent fasting I will eat from 12 p.m. To, to 8 p.m. That's it. And then I woke up the next day and ate first thing in the morning out of habit. I was like, all right, tomorrow. So December 4th, I started. <laughs> and uh, and I realized the first thing was when I, w- I would eat. And so in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd come to work and I work in my office and I'd walk out to the to the fridge the first day. And I opened the fridge and then I closed the fridge to, to see the cl- the clock on the microwave. And I'm like, Eight thirteen. Okay, okay. Close it back, and I go back to my office. And then unconsciously, I I snap myself out of it, and I'm opening the fridge again. Has wow. ever happened? To you? Really and awesome. I look over. I'm like, it's nine seventeen. And I realize, like five or six times, I would open the fridge every morning just out of pure habit, and have to close it. You're not and necessarily realized, oh,
0: hungry. It's just a habit.
1: No, and I'm the type. It's me and my girl who live here, so. If whatever, I would eat a handful of whatever, if it's pasta, I'll be honest with you. I'll just, I'll grab a few noodles with my hand. Right. And just, yeah, sure. ah, I, and I, 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 I realized I do that six or seven times a day before noon. And then I would eat at 12.01. I was eating every day. Mm. And then by the third month, it would be like one seventeen. I was like, Oh, I forgot to eat. Right. And then I realized I only eat out of habit. And I didn't. E- I don't even know when I'm hungry anymore, because I always eat before I ever got hungry. And now sometimes I look up and I'm like, oh, it's it's 2 p.m. and I didn't eat. And, and I realize if I work out, oh, I'm hungry a lot earlier. Mm. And now I'm able to understand mentally when my stomach wants food or when it's just my greedy habits, because I'm a greedy guy. I just I'll just snack all day. But I don't need that. So the intermittent fasting did that for me. So being vegan limited my options. And then now there's so many great vegan junk food. It makes it so hard to right. do that. But that. intermittent fasting made me learn how to read my body
0: did the same thing for me. It was in the springtime and, uh, you know, I got a checkup and my doctor is very candid, you know, I'm from the Northeast, so she's got a little bit of an attitude and she, uh, I, I weighed myself and, um, she looks at my weight and she says, Hey Joe, did your Peloton break? You <laughs> <So, laughs> know, nothing okay. passive <laughs> about that northeast <laughs> no, aggression. No, no, nothing at all. I said, like, okay, okay. So I just looked into it, and it's amazing. Like you said, I eat from yeah eleven or twelve to about five or six, and that's it. And you know, and I go to sleep. I play golf in the morning, and people are like you didn't need anything for you know. Uh, 10 hours, aren't you tired? No, I'm not. No, I've had water. I've I've never had a cup of coffee my whole life. So I I no calories at all. And uh, you don't need it. Your body doesn't need it.
1: No, you think you do. Yeah. Think about, and America's great and all that, but think about what America is. We're like a giant capitalistic society and it's just, we're marketing, marketing, marketing. Mm. We're marketed that we need to drink more water. No, not from water fountains. From, from Dasani, right. you need to Gatorade, you need <laughs> yeah. to hydrate, yeah. you need to eat this, you need to drink that. Everyone who's telling you need to you need protein is actually selling you protein. Wow. The government was telling you milk builds strong bones. They're subsidizing the farmers. Yeah. Like if you actually strip away all the layers, you realize we're creatures of habit. And if we're just conscious of where we're getting our habits from and we can just change that up, we can live such better healthier lives
0: so true so true so you do a little comic work now
1: uh, i used to i haven't performed in years covid and what brought yeah. you there uh, actually i while i was boxing and uh, i started doing stand up and mm-hmm. i enjoyed doing stand up i got to perform i did the laugh actor a few times awesome. uh, different ones and Uh, done funny bones. I performed all over and that was so cool, but I didn't make any money. Mm. And uh, I was like, I can't continue It's I can't continue doing this while training for the Olympics. And I realized I was doing a lot of youth speaking at the time. And I was like, well, I guess I can just write cleaner jokes and practice them on students. Right. So I just started integrating jokes into my, my speeches. And it's, it's a mix of both now. So I'm able to do stand-up, which is my passion. I, I, love, I love stand-up, uh, but also be able to uh, make a decent living. Because when, when the only thing you get is a bar, your bar tab paid and you don't <laughs> drink, it doesn't really help.
0: Wow, well, you're, you're, you're a true extrovert, aren't you? I mean, you, you, you wanted to be the best in boxing. You like to public speak. I mean, you are not bashful and you're out there. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm an obsessive go-getter. Mm. I, if if there's some, that's my hobby is choosing one thing and just going at it a hundred percent. to the point where when they say, "If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life." Other than Waffle House for about ten months, oh. I've never had a job oh. because it's it's been boxing and speak two things I love and. And I'm so
0: passionate about it. And your main focus now is it public speaking?
1: It is. It is uh, stepping away from boxing. Yeah. It. I, of course, I've I've never wanted to be a boxer. That was never what I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. Uh, I I allowed boxing to be a platform for me to be able to to reach my goals and my dreams. And my goal when I when I first started boxing what my goal in the ring was to be a good role model and have a TV show. Uh, And I think being a speaker is, I made this goal in 2008. So I didn't know podcasts and and I didn't even know what an influencer is. So technically Mm. if you think an influencer is a TV show, I'm living my dream. Right. I'm living my dream. I get paid to do what I use. So I got into speaking by accident. I was just speaking at schools and talking about what bullying, uh, how I was bullied and what boxing did for me. And after doing it for a few years, someone was like, "What do you charge?" And I was like, "You can't make money doing that." And they're like, "Yeah, you can." Hmm. And then I looked into it, and now I'm getting paid for doing literally what I was doing for free. I'm so grateful for life, and I'm yeah, I'm just so happy all the time.
0: Yeah, and your 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 enthusiasm is just so magnetic, and it's uh, it's warm and welcoming, Cam. And uh, so thanks, man. If uh, so, companies, corporations hire you. Uh, who are your target audience in your speaking?
1: Uh, anyone looking for to build resilience. So I, mm. I speak on uh, creating a championship mindset through resilience, as well as uh, diversity training. So if you work with people of different cultures, or you work around, if you work for or with people of different cultures, which is pretty much everyone. I've been doing a lot of work recently uh, with schools, school districts. Uh, 79% of educators are white females. Our students aren't. So I help work with educators to help create better multicultural educators as well.
0: Incredible, Cam. So incredible. Thank you so much for your time today, Cam F. Awesome. Now, how can we get in touch with you? Uh,
1: You can find me on All social media platforms, camfawesome, because I'm not famous or anything, and no one wants to take that name. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't, I haven't, I think I made one TikTok. So maybe don't check the TikTok, save your time. Uh, Not very active there, but Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And 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 of course,
0: and your website, camfawesome.com.
1: Yes, and camfawesome.com.
0: Yeah. Cam, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely delight. Uh, you've motivated me. I'm going to look into veganism. I really am. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time and please enjoy the rest of your day. I hope one day if I get out to Kansas City, we have a, a juice together and maybe watch a Chiefs game.
1: Oh, I would love that. And on your road to veganism, I will say I believe in progress over perfection.
0: Uh, yeah. Not overnight. Progress over perfection. Very good. Progress over perfection cam thank you so much you be well have a great day thank you so much for your time thanks man take care bye now thank you for listening and or viewing joey pins discipline conversations please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode our website www.joeypins.com There you find lots of resources, and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information: the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them, and if you like it, please consider giving five star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our patreon site consider five ten or twenty dollars a month there's all kind of plans that we have there there's like a one-time payment what is this podcast episode worth to you? twenty five dollars fifty dollars a hundred dollars five hundred dollars thousand dollars five thousand dollars you be the judge you can go to our paypal account to do that as well thank you again for listening or watching joey pins discipline Conversation.